Amen. Let's give the Lord one more clap offering. Amen. Uh, we do have children's church this morning. I know we got a few kids, so uh, if you would follow Miss uh, Cindy and all of her workers, give our children's workers a big hand. Always thank you guys for uh, taking care of our kids for us. And, uh, you know, they don't just babysit back there. Uh, Miss Cindy was telling me uh, during the Wednesday night kids' service, uh, they had two kids pray to receive Christ uh, this last Wednesday. Amen. So they're not just babysitting back there. They're giving, them, uh, they're giving them the gospel. Amen. Teaching them something and creating that foundation. Amen. Uh, so what I want to talk to, uh, to all of y'all, as you can see on the screen there, is not a pleasant subject. Stopping bad habits. Uh, now, I know the first thing we think is, well, I ain't got no bad habits, amen. But the reality is we all have bad habits, amen. And another word for habits is addictions. Uh, I got news for you. We all got addictions. Now, some of them are more uh, publicly known. Some of them are not publicly known. Uh, many of them are more socially acceptable than others. But my theory is all of sin is an addiction of some sort. And we all have different problems. Uh, we all have different problem areas. But the bottom line is they're all bad habits. They all start as bad habits and they become addictions. And we all have addictions. Uh, and we're going to look at, you know, we're going to look at every every corner and every aspect. You know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't think they had any addictions, but I can guarantee you they probably had the worst addiction, and that was self-righteousness and legalism. Amen? And many of you may say here, you know, maybe you're sitting there today and you say, well, I, I don't really have any habit, bad habits, or addictions. Well, yeah, you do. You're a liar. That's the first one right there. Amen? Uh, so, the, the, because the Bible tells us, uh, the one that says they are without sin, they are a liar and the truth is not in them. Amen? So, we must all admit that we all have this problem. We all have some bad habits and we all have some addictions. And again, those addictions can be everything from gossip. You know, now, now, Brother Mark, I don't gossip. I just tell people what needs to be told is a prayer request. Amen. That's how we do it in the Baptist church. Amen. We don't call it gossip in the Baptist church. We call it prayer requests. Amen. Did you, did you hear about Jared? Oh, we need to pray for Jared. But let me share with you the dirty details so we can pray specifically. Amen. And that's the way we do it in the Baptist church. But gossip is still gossip. Amen. Some people say, well, it's not gossip if it's the truth. Uh, let you be on the receiving end of that and let's see what your attitude is. Amen. Uh, yes, it don't matter whether it's the truth, whether it's a lie, gossip is gossip. Spreading stuff about somebody, whether it's true or not true, behind their back. Uh, you know, my, my theory is the Bible has one prompt way to do things, and that's go directly to the source. And don't handle it in public. Handle it privately between you and that brother and sister. And you go straight to the source and straight to the horse's mouth, so to speak. Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk about this today. It will not be a pleasant subject. I did not wear my steel toe boots. Maybe you did. I'm going to step on my toes just as much as I step on your toes. And I'm going to tell you this. I got my own problems. I got my own habits. I got my own. If you've ever gone to celebrate recovery, and I suggest everybody probably needs to go, uh, they don't call them addictions. They call them hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Amen? And that pretty much kind of covers it all because we all need that. Some of you sit here, and there is a stigma that goes along with, well, I don't need counseling, or I don't need accountability, or I don't need, I don't need to go to a, a, you know, a, a therapist or anything. And I would tell you hogwash. Everybody in this room needs a counselor. The preacher needs a counselor. 
everybody here needs somebody, if it's nothing else than just somebody else to vent to and just to say, you know what, I need an unobjective uh, third party who's not involved in my life that I can pour my heart out to and they can, they can give me a different perspective. Everybody in this room needs it. And there is a negative stigma. Sometimes we tell people, well, you know, I went and saw a counselor and they go, you went and saw a counselor? Didn't realize I was more emotionally stable than you. You are not. Amen. Everybody here needs it. Amen. It's just, the difference is some of you will admit that you need it and some of you will deny that you need it. But the reality is everybody in this room needs it. All right. Uh, so we don't start off wanting to have bad habits, though. We don't start off in our life wanting to be addicted. You know, um, you don't start your life off and start your married life off by going, you know, I, I just hope that one day we can live paycheck to paycheck and uh, that we can stress over money all the time and that it seems like we never have enough money to get by. I just dream of that day one day. That's, not, that's nobody's dream, amen? How does, but how do you end up there? You end up there by making one little mistake here, one little mistake there, and then you begin to form bad habits, and then you go years down the road, and you go, oh, my gosh, we're in a mountain of debt. How did we get here? All right? Uh, you don't start uh, your life off. Here comes one again, my steel-toed boots. Uh, I did not become overweight overnight. Now, last night I ate like I was becoming overweight overnight. Amen? Uh, I did go eat all-you-can-eat catfish. Can I tell you, if you want to be healthy, you don't need to go to the all-you-can-eat. Amen? And, uh, and I was in sin last night, and I confess it, and I repent of it here today. Amen. But, uh, you know, you, I didn't become overweight overnight. The person who has clogged arteries and heart problems and diabetes, you didn't get in poor health overnight, did you? It was a series of bad steps, bad decisions, bad choices, and then we look up one day, you know, and you didn't go, I just hope I can be unhealthy one day and that I can die young. That's not, that's nobody's goal in life, but yet we get years and years down the road and you live a lot of life like I have and some of y'all have and you go, how did I end up here? Well, again, it did not happen overnight. It was a series of bad choices, bad decisions. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, nobody wishes to be addicted, out of control, lose their marriage, lose the trust of their children and uh, lose their character and their uh, accountability. Nobody wants to do that. But how do we get there? It's by, again, a series of bad choices, bad decisions, all right? Uh, no one in this room said at the beginning of your life, I sure hope I can live a mediocre life with no passion, no drive, no vision. And I hope that, you know, I can just have a wasted life. And when I get to the end of my life, I just have a bunch of regrets. Nobody aspires to that. Nobody wants that. But we end up there. We rarely end up at the wrong place because of one bad choice. It's the wrong place many, many times. It's one step at a time. It's one day at a time. And it's one bad habit at a time. So how do you break the cycle? How do you break the cycle if it's a series of bad choices and bad habits through years and years and maybe even decades? How do we break that cycle? So we're going to look at one of the most famous guys who had the most potential, but yet at the end of his life made a lot of really bad decisions and uh, just uh, kind of is the classic poster child for wasted potential. Anybody know who that is? Anybody want to take a guess? Who is it? 
It's you. <laughs> well, besides y'all, amen, biblical character. That's true. It's probably all of us. But Samson, you ever heard the story of Samson? So look, let's look at Samson, and maybe Samson will encourage you. Because God had his hand on Samson, and God had his anointing on Samson, but poor Samson just could not seem to get it right. And Samson continuously made bad choice after bad choice after bad choice and ends up dying way too young and a lot of wasted potential. Now, as his final, as his final triumph, he does push the, uh, the columns out and kills all the Philistines. Amen. So, but, uh, but God could have done so much more with Samson. God had his hand and his anointing on him. But um, listen, just because God has his hand and his anointing on you does not mean you are exempt. In fact, that means the target on your back is even bigger. Brother Martin and I had talked about this. The minute you try to do more for God, the minute that you say, God, I'm going to be your man, the bigger the target gets on your back. These guys that we ordained uh, Wednesday night, Brother Nelson and Brother Kelly, I told them get ready because the minute you, you say, God, I'm yours, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be used by you, the minute that you say that and commit yourself to God, the target on your back is going to get larger and larger, and he's going to come at you stronger and stronger. He'll come at your marriage. He'll come at your family. He'll come at every relationship you got. He will come at you, and he will not take any prisoners. Amen? All right. So let's look at the scripture. Judges 16, 1 through 5 says, Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there, and he went into her. And when the Gazites were told Samson has come here, they surrounded the place, and they lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. And they were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. Okay? Then the next verse. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Okay. Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek. She's a famous woman whose name was what? Delilah. All right. And it says, And the lords of the Philistines came up to her, and they said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him and every... One of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. That's a lot of money back then. So Delilah is set up to be the Judas, if you will, in this scenario. And they knew. Now, guess what? Did they know Samson very well? Evidently, this was not Samson's first trip to Gaza. And Gaza was famous for one thing. It had a lot of pretty ladies, ladies of the evening, if we shall say. And Samson had a weakness. This was Samson's weakness. And this had not been his first time. Again, many, many bad decisions. He had made that trip many, many times. Enough so that the Philistines saw it and recognized this is this guy's weak spot. Okay? Now, can I tell you this? Many times we think we're fooling everybody. But guess what? I can tell you something. Your family knows your weak spot better than you know it. We think we're doing so good. We think we're concealing everything. We think uh, nobody knows what's going on. But I can tell you, the people that are closest to you, they can see it. It's your blind spot. It's your blind spot, and they can see it. And they know 
your weaknesses also. And the Philistines were not stupid, and they just kept watching Samson, kept watching Samson. In Gaza, Samson was public enemy number one. So number one, it was stupid for him to ever go to Gaza. But he knew he had the Lord's hand on him, and he was stronger than all of them. So he would just keep going. And he was almost flaunting God's hand on him. But he was going, and he was doing the wrong thing. He was making a bad decision. And he was making this trip every single time, and the Philistines were paying attention. And they were watching him. He's too strong, we can't take him. But guess what? He's coming all the time, and we know what his weakness is. So we're going to get one of these ladies, Delilah, and we're going to get her to find out what is the secret to his strength. Okay? So some interesting facts. Uh, Gaza was the Philistine headquarters. And again, like I said, um, that uh, Samson was public enemy number one there. Now here's a little bit of research, all right? Gaza is 25 miles away from Samson's hometown of Zorah. Who would be stupid enough to risk so much for so little? So every time that Samson wanted to go to Gaza, it was a 25-mile walk, or at least donkey ride or something. It was not like getting an Uber and you're going to be there in 25 minutes, all right? It was a long, long trip. But let's just kind of presume he walked it, okay? So every time that he would do it, he would know he was going to do the wrong thing. Do you know how many steps 25 miles is? 56,250 steps. So Samson had 56,250 times to think about everything he was doing. He had 56,250 chances to turn around and change his mind and go back the other direction. He had 56,250 opportunities to think about what he was going to do. Amen. But aren't we so good at justifying our sin to ourselves, aren't we? And he would walk, and the closer he would get, he would know. He would know, I'm fixing to enter into sin, but he would just keep on and keep on. He kept making a bad decision. He didn't get to Gaza in one step. It took 56,250 steps to get all the way to Gaza. And when he got there, he would enter into sin. You know what? It's the same with your life and my life. He didn't get in a bad spot all at once. You don't get in a bad spot all at once. It's one step, one bad habit at a time. Now, here today, I want to ask you to just concentrate because the reality is Mark Trammell got a lot of bad habits, got a lot of hang-ups, got a lot of hurts. But I want you today, it would probably be overwhelming if we all tried to attack all of our bad habits and all of our bad things. So I'm not even going to do that today. I'm going to ask you to figure out which is the one that's kind of the, the worst in your life, the one that causes you the most problem, the one that causes you, uh, that breaks fellowship between you and the Lord the most. And just find the worst one and just what is your one? What is that one habit today? So I don't, I don't even want you to think about all of your habits. I want you to narrow it down to the one worst habit to say, Lord, this, is, this one area in my life, I really, really need to turn this around. And we're going we're gonna to concentrate on how to do that. And we're going to start with two questions. I want you to ask this question of yourself. because Today, why is this so, uh, so hard? This message is so hard because I'm asking you to not look at the people around you. I'm asking you to look in a mirror. And the hardest thing for us to do, I don't know about you, but in the morning, you look in that mirror and you go, is that really me? That's what I got to work with right there. And it's hard. It's hard to look in the mirror because there are always things about ourselves we don't like, and we are our own worst critic. And it's very painful to look in the mirror. But I'm going to ask you spiritually to look in the mirror. And look in the mirror today in two questions. Who do I want to become? 
Am I satisfied with the path I'm on right now? Am I satisfied with where this is going to lead me? Am I satisfied that I am heading in the direction of who I really want to be? You know, I'm 58 years old. And if you'd asked me at 20, Mark, where, where are you going to be? And what, what do you want to be like when you're 58 years old? I, wouldn't have, I thought, that is so far away. I have no clue. But I would have said, I, man, by 58, man, I want to, you know, I want to accomplish all the things that I've done. And I wanted to, you know, I just want to have a, a loving family and no regrets, no mistakes. But nobody can really say that, can they? Because guess what? In those, how many is that, 30, in those 38 years, I had to do my math. In those 38 years from 20 to now, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've got some regrets. I've made some bad choices, some bad decisions. I have gone down those steps that I should not have gone down. Amen? And we can all say the same thing. So, number two, the question is this. Based on who you want to become, what habit do you need to get rid of? If you want to be a better person, you know, Brother Martin talked last week, great message about, um, you know, uh, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Uh, and if you want to be the best version of yourself, if you want to be the best husband, if you want to be the best father, if you want to be the best man of God or woman of God uh, that you want to be, then you have to be intentional about that. And what do I need to do? And most of us, I can tell you, something's coming to your mind, and you're saying, there is this one area in my life that really keeps me from being everything I need to be. And, and again, it's probably several areas, but there's one big area. There's one main area. And I can't tell you what it is. I wouldn't even try to guess. I'm, again, I'm looking in a mirror at my own life. But we all just need to look in that mirror and say, Lord, show it to me. In fact, I want you to just take a second. This is going to be painful. Close your eyes and say this with me. Lord, I said say this with me. Lord, show me my weakest areas amen that's a strong powerful prayer right there because many times again it's our blind spot we can't see it but i want you to ask the lord to reveal that area to you what is the area you need to get rid of all right um james 121 go ahead and put that scripture up there it says this therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls, all right? Here's the thing about bad habits or addictions. We perceive that there is an immediate benefit. In other words, where do we start bad habits and addictions from? It basically comes from the old adage, kind of goes back to the younger days in the 50s and mainly the 60s. It started in the 60s with the flower children, and basically the, the feeling and the perception was, if it feels good, what? Do it. And that's where it began, and every decade it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And now, and then it goes into the me generation. It's all about me. doesn't care what it does to you or if it hurts you or offends you. I'm going to do what serves me. I'm going to do what makes me feel good. I'm going to do what makes me feel happy. If, if my wife and my kids aren't making me happy, then I'll just leave that marriage and go over here to another one. I'll just forsake those children. I'll go over here and start another family. That's, that's sometimes that's the perception of people these days. You know, that doesn't make me happy. 
And, and many people even want to blame it on God. I've had people come into my office for marriage counseling and say, my spouse does not make me happy anymore, and I believe that God wants me to be happy. So I believe it's God's will for me to get out of this marriage and lead my children. I've had people be brave enough and bold enough to tell me that right there in that office. That's sad, isn't it? That's sad when that's your attitude, that it's all about me. It's all about me. It's not about whether the Lord gets glory or whether he's honored by it. It's all about me. And surely, and this, is, this sounds good enough to just seem a little bit true, surely God wants me to be happy. Could you chapter and verse that for me in the Bible? He is not near as concerned about your happiness and your comfort as he, you think he is. God is concerned about one thing, him getting the glory and receiving the glory, and that his son may be lifted up and that people may be brought to him. Amen? And whether that hurts you and you got to suffer a little bit, none of that, all of that comfort stuff we think, but there's just enough truth in it that people want to believe that's true. And that's not true. Amen. Does God love you? Yes. Are you his child? Yes. But guess what? I loved my children, but I knew sometimes as painful as it was, I was going to have to discipline them. And I knew that was not going to make them happy. It really didn't make me happy either, but it needed to be done. Amen. So we need to understand. So let's, uh, let's spend the rest of our time here talking about how do we break the bad habits. I'm going to give you three main things. I wish you'd write them down or they're on the screen there. You can take a picture of it, all right? How do you start to break the bad habit, the one thing that you've, you've come up in your mind with, all right? Number one, first thing is you have to acknowledge it. What's the first thing you do? If you go to Celebrate Recovery or Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, the first thing they will tell you is you must admit you have a problem. Now, most of the time, if you show up at a Celebrate Recovery or an Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, you pretty much showing up says, I recognize I got a problem. But guess what? They even make you stand up and do it. You ever been to one of those meetings? If you go to one of those meetings, it's highly embarrassing because they make you stand up and say, hello, my name is Mark and I am an alcoholic. And for many people, it's the first time they've admitted it. For many people, it's the first time those words have come out of their mouth. But it's very important, and the people know it, the first step is you have to verbalize it, and you have to recognize it. And the best way to recognize it is just stand and tell somebody else. Again, what does telling somebody else do? That creates accountability. The minute that I admit to Jared and say, Jared, I have a problem in this area. I've just made Jared aware of it. Jared is my friend. He's my brother in Christ. And I've just made myself accountable to Jared because I've just admitted the problem to him. All right? And that's a huge part of it. Acknowledge it. And with acknowledgement comes accountability. All right? You cannot defeat what you cannot define. Number two, you must change your attitude towards your habit. Why do I say that? Because we are the kings and queens of justification. We like to justify our sin. But yes, Mark, I have a problem in this area, but you don't understand. You don't understand my life. You don't understand the stress I'm under. Yes, I like to suck the bottoms out of these cigarettes but you don't understand the job I have and the stress that I have. And, yes, I suck the, bo the bottom of that bottle out every single night, but you don't understand who I have to live with, and you don't understand the kind of stress I'm under, and you don't understand the things that are going on in my life. We are the kings and queens of justification. And this is why you must change your attitudes towards it. 
And I'm talking about some of those more recognizable, but look at here. Maybe, maybe your addiction is you have a critical spirit. Well, that's just because, you know, I, I like things a certain way. It's, it's not being a critical spirit. What are you doing? Shut up. You're justifying it. Just shut up and admit it. I have a critical spirit. But see, we want to justify it. And we want to say, well, no, I just like things a certain way, and I like perfection, and I like things that way, and most people don't do it up to my standard. It's not a critical spirit. I just want everything to be just right. Shut up. You have a critical spirit. Amen? Maybe you have a complaining heart. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Brother Mark, you're getting a little close here. Maybe you have a negative spirit. You say, well, I, Brother Mark, I don't have a negative spirit. I just, you know. Nobody has it as bad as I do, and I just want people to know that. Nobody struggles like I do. Nobody has things at home like the way I do. Nobody has to put up with the things I do. Nobody has the job I have. Nobody has to put up with the boss I have. Nobody has to put up with the people I have to work with. Shut up. Stop justifying it. Just say it. Just say it. I am a negative person. You want to keep going? <laughs> a gossiping tongue. Oh, Brother Mark, I just, I just want to pray for people, and I just want people to know what people are struggling with so that they can join me in prayer. Shut up. You have a gossiping tongue. Admit it. Shut up and stop talking. When something comes out of your mouth about somebody, just decide it's only going to be about me and my problems. Why not convert that? Just say, you know what, uh, Miss Pam back there, let me tell you what, uh, oh, you know what, you know what, never mind. Uh, why don't you pray for me uh, and my gossiping tongue? And why don't you pray for me about my negative spirit? And why don't you pray for me that I'm more worried about Pam's life than trying to get my own life straight? Why don't we just turn that around? Amen. We can go on and on and on. Well, Brother Mark, I, yes, I overeat, but you don't understand the stress I'm in. You don't understand. I like sugar. Amen. Sweets, fast food. Brother Mark, I know that I eat fried food all the time, but I just don't have time and I can't cook. You know, I can't, I just don't have the time to do it. Listen, we could all make excuses all day. Amen. We live in a fast food society. And why are most of us overweight and why are most of us unhealthy? Because we simply don't make the right choice to do it because it takes more effort and it takes more work. Why don't we just shut up and just say, I'm fat. Amen. And I eat things I should not eat. Amen. I quit making excuses for it and just say, this is where I am and I need to do better. Amen. Video games. Amen. I know grown men. Now you may think I'm just talking to the teenagers. No, I know grown men play video games four, five hours a night. They go work a job, they bring home a paycheck, but they come home and they'll play video games four or five hours a night. I know some grown men do that. Stop it. You got a problem. Amen. You got a family and you got a problem. Stop it. All right. Your phone. Your phone. I love my phone. Do you love your phone? We spend way too much time on it, don't we? Our phones. Why don't we all just shut up and say, I'm addicted to my phone? And that would be the truth for most of us. Amen. They are great things to have. They're very convenient. We can do so many things, but we spend way too much time. 
You know, we're talking about Facebook and, and social media. And it's like uh, some people just have to totally get off it and distance themselves because they find themselves spending hours upon hours and wasting hours upon hours every day. And they're like, I just got to get rid of it because I ain't going to get nothing done. Why? Because it's just like a constant. Did you notice on Facebook you keep doing this and what keeps happening? New stuff just keeps coming up, coming up. Coming, it never ends. It's like a never-ending magazine or newspaper. And so that's why you never put it down. Amen? All right. Nicotine. God bless some of you. I love you. And I'm going to do a Brother Mike euphemism here. Uh, smoking won't send you to hell. It'll just make you smell like you've been there. Amen? And, uh, you know, but, hey, my daddy struggled with it all of his life. Started when he was 14 years old. And I get it. My daddy tried to quit numerous, many, many, many times. And he became very, very cranky. Uh, and he would usually replace the smoking with eating, and he would gain weight. And just he was not a happy person when he was trying to quit because it's very, very hard to quit. But listen, he did admit he had a problem. And he said, I wish I'd never started. Now, what would you rather do, come to the end of your life and say, you know, Lord, I thank God I, I always said no to that. Or do you want to get to the end of your life and say, you know what, I had this uh, struggle with all my life. And I wished I'd never started. You know the best way to say, not have to say, I wish I'd never started? Never start. Prescription drugs. This is a huge one these days. You started on a prescription because you were having trouble with something, and you liked the way it made you feel, and now you're addicted. And one of the biggest addictions now is to prescription drugs. It starts off innocently enough because somebody prescribed it to you. But then you get to where you need to have that, all right? Drugs, alcohol, we all use it. What do all these things do? Even food, it, is a, it dulls our senses. It dulls us to the other things. It becomes a trigger. There's a trigger in our life, and then we do the action, and then it, it releases something in your brain. Did you know that every addiction, that's what it does? The goal of that addiction is there's a trigger that makes you do it, then there's the action of doing it, and every one of them, alcohol, nicotine, food, pornography, every one of them leads to a, uh, a release, if you will, that, that that's, what, that's what gives me comfort. And it releases actual dopamine in your brain, and it makes you feel better. All right? And that's why people get addicted to certain things. And whatever flavor it is for you, again, it's different for everybody in this room. Maybe it may be shopping. It can even be shopping. Somebody can say, you know what? I just feel better when I go buy something online. Uh, that I don't really have the money to get, but it makes me feel better. If I'm having a bad day, I can get online, click, 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 and, man, it feels good. Now the credit card bill comes in next month, and I'm in trouble. Amen? But at the time, it gives me temporary enjoyment. It releases that dopamine in my brain, and I just feel better. That's really how every single addiction works, all right? So number two, number one, acknowledge it. Number two, change your attitude towards it. Number three, how do you break it? You've got to make it difficult to do. You've got to make it difficult to do. Here's, a, here's the scripture for this. Proverbs 4, 14, and 15. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Now, this is, sounds real easy, but it's real hard to do. You must make whatever your thing is difficult for you to do. And again, I don't know what that looks like for you, but it's, it's something that's got to be done. You've got to make it difficult to get over that, all right? If your struggle is with alcohol, do your cabinets at home need to be filled with bottles of alcohol? 
No, you need to get it all out of your house. You need to pour it down the drain. You need to just get it out of your house, get it away from you, get it as far away from you as you can, and for at least a period of time until you can control it, say, I can't even go in the places that have it. You have to remove it. Again, most of these addictions, mine included, are deeply rooted. They were started years and decades ago, and they've got long, deep roots, right? And so you've got to dig it up by the root, and that's not going to be easy. And so you have to, you have to uh, uh, make it difficult for you to do. Uh, it also says in Proverbs, uh, uh, in the next verse, verse 15, avoid it, do not travel on it, turn away from it, and pass on. Again, sounds real easy, doesn't it? A lot harder to do, all right? Uh, there is a habit loop. I've already mentioned this. I'm going to give it to you real quick. There's the trigger. There's the action. There's reward. If you remove the trigger, you interrupt the action, all right? Watch for five major triggers. I'm going to give you five major triggers. It would be good for you to write these down. I don't have these on a slide. So, uh, Number one is a, a certain place. Number two is a certain time. Number three is a certain mood. Number four is a certain moment. And number five is around certain people. I'm going to do it one more time. Certain places, certain times, certain moods, certain moments, and being around certain people. You know what most people have a, a hard time giving up in their addiction is getting rid of these things right here. Because these become what Brother Mike used to call you play mates, you play pretties, and you play places. And most people that have this problem, you know, let's, let's just take people that do drugs together or people that drink alcohol and go down to the bar. Well, you don't understand, Mark. I, you know, I, I, I want to stop this, but all these people that I do this with, these are my friends. No, those are not your friends. The devil makes you want to think those are your friends. But I guarantee you, 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 turn, you turn your life around and you stop doing the things that those people are doing, and you start, stop going to the places those people are going to, they won't want to have much to do with you anymore. Is that a real friend? Friend sticks closer than a brother. A friend is there in season, out of season. Those are not true friends. Those are the devil's version of friends that he has brought into your life. And I'll tell you, where most people have a problem getting rid of their addictions is they can't change their playmates they can't change their play places, and they can't change their play pretties. Because they, they believe in their mind the devil has sold them a lie, but these are my real friends. And I have to go to these places to be with them. That's a lie straight out of hell. And the devil will keep feeding you that lie because he doesn't want you out of your addiction. He wants you to stay right there. Because as long as you're there, you're of no threat to him. Can I say this? As long as I'm entrenched in my addiction, I am of no threat to the devil because again God's hand can only be certain places you remember Samson what happened at the end of the story Delilah finally gets to him they shave his hair off and all of a sudden he's normal human strength again and it's a sad sad story you get to the end of Samson's life and he says and he knows he's going to die and he's standing there they poked his eyes out and he's standing there, and he doesn't have any of his strength anymore. He has wasted his life, wasted his potential. And he says to the Lord, Lord, if you'll just give me the strength one more time, I'm going to push this temple down, and we'll kill all these people. And that's the way he has to go out. That's the way he has to go out. Wasted potential, wasted life. You know why Samson became weak again? Because God removed his hand from him. 
And that's what sin does in our life, amen? It forces God to say, you know what, if you're going to go your own way, then I'm sorry, but I've got to remove my hand off of you. And when God removes his hand off of you, the devil has a clear shot at you. Amen? Um, I'm going to give you this, and I'll be finished. I'm sorry. Going a little bit long here. Um, the example of this is Samson, David, and Bathsheba. You remember that story? Why did David commit adultery with Bathsheba? It's in the very first verse. It says, in the springtime, when kings go off to war, David stayed at the palace. David was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He was where he should not have been. And he goes up, and then he's at the wrong time, the wrong place. He goes up on his palace that looks down on all the other houses, and it's the time where the women in the town take a bath. If David had been where he was supposed to be the whole time, none of that would have happened. And then adultery ends up happening, a child out of wedlock, and murder to cover it up. One bad choice, downhill slide. Um, there was a study conducted, and uh, I want to give you this. I thought this was very interesting. The closer you are to someone, the more likely you are to imitate their habits. They tracked 12,000 people for 32 years, and here's what they found out. The ch your chance of becoming obese increased by 57% if you had a friend who was obese. Uh, if one friend lost weight, the other friends would lose weight one-third of the time. All right? In other words, who you hang around has an influence in your life. Amen? Um, Look at Proverbs 13.20, and it says this. We all need to memorize this one. And again, one of the main things in your life and getting your life straightened out and getting rid of your habit is who are you hanging around. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Most of these old people have kind of learned this the hard way, and I want to share with you young people, learn it now. Learn it now. Who you hang around determines how you'll end up way more than anything in your life. And it's, it's the old saying, all that's really saying is, you run with dogs, you're going to get fleas. Mm -hmm. All right, and then go to the next scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 30, 33 says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Mm, that's stout, amen. All right, do not get to the end of your life and have regrets. It's impossible to live the right life with the wrong friends. The habits you have today will shape who you will become tomorrow. Don't get to the end of your life and say, I wish I'd spent more time with my kids. Nobody gets to the end of their life and says, I wish I'd have worked more. You know, I'm a workaholic and I wish I'd have worked more. Nobody gets to the end of their life and says, if only I could have forgiven him or her, this person in my family, then I could have had a relationship with them, but now here I am at the end of my life. I'm dying or they're dying, and we don't have any kind of relationship. Don't get to the end of your life and say, I wish I had never started that. I had no idea how it, ru how it would ruin my life. Ask anybody who's been long time addicted to drugs, alcohol, narcotics, any of that, and they will tell you, I wish I'd have never started because now I'm way down the line here and I cannot remove this from my life and it has literally ruined my life. I want to tell you, there are some strong, strong drugs out there today. Uh, I don't know if any of you have ever known anybody or maybe you've been on meth. 
And I, have a, I had a friend who was addicted to meth, and they told me meth is one of those things that is, it is of the devil because they said it's the one drug. All it takes is one time. You make one decision to say, oh, I'll just try it this one time. And they say, literally, you're hooked from the first try, and then you cannot get off of it. And I'm here to this is the kind of stuff we have to deal with in, in our society today. And so one bad decision, it's, it's earth-shattering to think one bad decision could literally send you down a path that will just ruin your life for the rest of your life. So today, here's kind of the invitation. I'm going to ask Julie to come. And this was really not a salvation message, but I would tell you this. Whatever you're struggling with, the answer is Jesus. Amen? And you need Jesus. And if you don't have Jesus, the first step is to give your heart and your life to Jesus because you cannot break these addictions. You cannot break these habits on your own. Amen? Uh, number two is this. If you are a believer and you're struggling with this, the Lord is there to help you. But he is a king, not a beggar, and he will not force you to come to him. Amen? So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes. And let's ask the Lord to just do something here. Father, I just pray today for all these folks. Um, Lord, maybe somebody here today needs you. The very first step is to give their heart and life to you so that, God, you can help them break out of this cycle of addiction. And so if you're here today and you say, Brother Mark, I'm just not sure where my relationship with the Lord is, and I need help in a certain area of my life, and I just, I really need the Lord. Uh, or maybe you just need to recommit yourself to Would you just pray this prayer with me? Just say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I need you right now. I believe you died on the cross for me. And right now, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And God, help me with these areas in my life. Lord, I give my heart and my life to you. I make you my Savior and my Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, second time, or a hundredth time, doesn't matter. Would you just lift up a hand? I want to ask you this today. Maybe I was just preaching to myself, but I have a feeling maybe I was preaching to everybody in here. Maybe you say, Brother Mark, I know that one area you were talking about, and I really want to get victory over that. I know it's an area that holds me back. And would you pray for me to have boldness and strength to take, do what needs to be done to get rid of that? If you'd like me to pray for you in that area, would you just slip up a hand? Thank you. Hands all over. Lord, we admit to you today, we're all sinners. We're all weak. We all struggle. God, I just pray, Lord, for those that raise their hand, God. I don't know what their struggle is. I don't know what area it is, but God, you do. And I just pray that, God, you would release the captives, God. Would you set the prisoners free? Because, Lord, we have put the chains on ourselves. We put the shackles on ourselves of addictions and of sin and bad habits, God. And I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would set these people free. Lord, everyone that raised their hand, God, I pray that, God, you would just set them free, give them the strength and the courage they don't have in their own uh, strength and ability to be able to say no to these addictions, to be able to say no to these bad habits, and, God, to just step away from them, God. We don't have the strength in our own power, but Lord, we know that God, you have the strength through your Holy Spirit. Give it to us and set us free, and we claim that freedom in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, 
Amen. God bless you guys. Uh, Brother Gary's got the basket over there at the door. I hope that you have a great uh, rest of your week. Hope you have a great spring break. Don't forget, uh, nothing on Wednesday night because of spring break. And then we'll start back with dinner the next Wednesday night. Uh, God bless you. Have a great day.